Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from episode 11, our discussion on some of the key trends of Nashville on the first part of 2023. The episode itself strayed from the original premise to become a fascinating look at the emerging tension between the rapid development of drug and diagnostics versus sociopolitical behavior that does not adequately address the underlying sources of metabolic disease. What emerged was a fascinating, complex session. Then from the vault, we have conversation 28.4 from season three, and we see Stephen Harrison, Jorn Schottenberg, Louise Campbell, and I discuss how the drug development landscape looked and felt a mere nine months ago. The wrap-up conversation explores the panelists' optimisms and worries for fatty liver field going forward. Answers highlight the tension between dramatic advances in health technology and the risk that public policy will make patients' lifestyles less conducive to healthy metabolic behavior. Join Surfing Nash next week for a follow-up episode around the isodraft pricing recommendations for resmeterone and glucolic acid. The podcast is inviting audience members to join the discussion live on Monday, March 13th for an exclusive session that will incorporate your questions and on-the-ground experiences. To learn more about this opportunity, follow us on LinkedIn and subscribe to our newsletter. Alternately, you simply write us directly with questions or requests at questionsinsurfingnash.com. One key point emerging from this episode is that the effects of the fatty liver pandemic will be with us far after we have begun to implement new drug and lifestyle interventions and better diagnostic testing. This is a huge issue with dramatic, far-reaching implications for health systems around the world. So just sit back, listen, Enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. wrap-up question. The most significant thing you're going to touch over the next three months for the better, and the biggest fear you have over the next three months in spaces you know about for what might get worse. Jörn Schattenberg. If I can start out, I should probably be talking to Jeff more frequently and again at Global Liberal Institute, because it's just very enriching and infusing to get all these ideas and interactions. Again, I would love to have that at the European level, but we need to uh, re-engage and, and, and discuss what could be done uh, on that level. It's, it's been great to have you and, and hear about, you know, the, the the three top areas you're seeing. Moving forward for me, again, I, I'm so heavily invested in the scientific area. I'm, I'm so much looking forward to positive, mostly therapeutics uh, coming out of easel in abstract form. And I hope that will uh, you know, help you, Jeff, and Global Liver Institute to carry those conversations you're having with regulators, FDA, and, and also societies forwards in the U.S. Okay. Thanks, Jorn. Great answer and great focus. Louise or Jeff, go ahead. Louise Campbell. I suppose for me, it's going to be, I'm hoping it's going to be the eventual approval of Fibroscan for primary care and community in the UK to try and and yes it'll be within the defined liver pathways but that's actually a really good place to start because as we divert out into bringing in type 2 diabetes, obesity and cardiac in the next few years onto those at risk, let's start with the real genuine liver disease in the known liver disease pathways because I think we've got to start to evidence base it and to see and follow up people with just NAFLD rather than just NASH and see where they get on the spectrum. I think we'll be able to generate some of the world's leading data on that. And I'm sure Quentin Anstey probably has a plan, <laughs> knowing <laughs> Quentin and the Litmus team, if that becomes out. But yes, yeah, so I think that could be a game changer because we'll be the first country where it is absolutely legislated routine in primary care, whether it gets there with and depending what funding and how people roll it out for me will be the concern. There could be wrong ways, right ways 
ways and there could be ways that just don't work at all but that really interests me particularly over the next three to nine months I suppose but yes that's where I think I'm heading and the diagnostics but obviously everything we can do and I definitely want GLI I want GLI with me at the Australian table and to do what they do at an American level I would like to see that in a country that I think can go from not being at any table at the moment to being probably the head of the table because of the speed that it could be potentially changed given their healthcare systems. That to me is exciting and a challenge and I'd like nothing more to lay down the challenge to GLI and the Gordon for Jeff and Donna and the team. Jeff McIntyre. I think um, for me to not be redundant and uh, get off the soapbox just a little bit here, I think for me the things, I agree with Louise and Jorn on all these aspects. Certainly we're looking at FDA approval. We're also, the phrase I keep coming back to is setting the stage. And so as so much of the field is so focused on approval and the non-invasive sort of standard right now, I'm thinking also a lot about what happens three and four steps down the line on this. So we don't just kind of plateau and then drop off in terms of education and awareness and regulatory approval in other countries and going forward as well. And so to me, the quickie way of saying that is education and awareness is kind of what's big for me as we're moving through these very substantive, pivotal steps of ICER pricing. We see in the issues that we're having about this very technical, wonky issue of drug pricing with ICER and how that is, that the issue that we run into is actually one of education about whether NASH is a progressive disease. I think we run into that. We have the potential for running into that when we talk about non-invasive standards. We have the potential for that when we start talking about pediatric. There's already been a big fuss about when the American Academy of Pediatrics dropped their guidelines on childhood obesity about kind of where it fell in that as well. And so this is a real kind of roundabout way for me to make a plug that the thing on my mind is International Nash Day coming up on June 8th, which will be the second Thursday in June as a pivotal moment for education and awareness. And it's education and awareness as we're moving through all these other steps. So spoiler alert, I don't think Jeff teed this up totally. We're going to come back in April and do an episode on why International Nash Day this year is so much more important than in previous years. And I I think Jeff gave away some of it, but hardly all of it. Okay, so um, if you want to hear more about all this thinking and the dynamic, I think the yin and yang of this episode is really kind of astonishing, as I say, between the science on the one hand and the politics on the other hand. The thought I want to drop into this is that I've been talking more and more to payers and employers and payer-employer consultants. And one of the things that people are having a hard time doing and that society consistently does is undervalue diagnostics economically. And the value of diagnostics in this case bears, I think, directly on that ICER question. Because if, in fact, you've got work quality and presenteeism issues around F3 NASH, then, in fact, it not only is a progressive disease, but it's a discernible progressive disease in ways that we can measure and that we can value. Now, I can give you a perfect example of that. And you do not need stage three progressive disease. We did a company two years ago. We introduced Liver Health. And that company introduced a program and put their top, uh, their senior staff on liver health. Their, their cupboard this year was way healthier. Their company employees competed with each other to improve their liver health. This is a small company. Their bottom line gross improvement in income was £80,000 by improving liver health. And that's one small company. And we do not target liver health in any workforce. And I would love to see Kellogg's or Coca-Cola now look at how much they can save that way rather than saying it's a healthy food. And I know those two companies weren't necessarily the companies, so don't take it as red. But So we can actually start to quantify where people look at liver health in their workforce 
So exactly your point, Roger, presenteeism and absenteeism, but it's not just even the stage three fibrosis because none of these were there. Well, to be continued. And in fact, to do a nice job of setting up next month's conversation. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send me an email at questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the ICER draft guidance on pricing for esmeterom or butacolic acid, an important issue and one where you're invited to join us through audience participation. Send a note to questions at surfingnash.com if you want to request an invitation for the live recording Monday, March 13th at 2 o'clock. Until then, stay safe. Surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.